I'm Alexander Hefner, your host on The Open Mind. I'm honored to welcome to the podcast today, Olivia Troy. She's a former advisor to Vice President Pence, uh, who resigned in the aftermath of some of the ongoing uh, malfeasance, corruption, and uh, incompetence of the Trump administration. Welcome, Olivia. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Based on what we've observed in the last 24 hours, um, having worked closely with Vice President Pence, um, does anything surprise you about what has unfolded, or do you think he's comported himself both during the certification and the aftermath of the attack on Congress, the, the physical terrorist attack? on Congress, um, has he behaved as you would have expected him to? Well, I had been hopeful that the vice president would do the right thing and uh, certify the election results and uh, take a stand against what was happening with the president. I know that you know, he uh, was in a very hard situation for someone who has been very, very loyal to the president these past four years is uh, in this administration. You, you've never seen the vice president speak out against the president. You always see him be anything, you know, if anything sort of always uh, devoted and always thanking him in his speeches repeatedly. Uh, and so I think, you know, I waited and I had hoped that the Mike Pence that I had gotten to know as a staffer on his team who, um, you know, was a decent boss and, uh, and, and, you know, out of the environments, I will say this, um, I think he prided himself on having an environment that was less chaotic and less toxic than the other side of the house. Based on the resignation of more officials in the aftermath of Trump's incitement of that violence against another branch of government. Do you anticipate there to be an invocation of the 25th Amendment or a re-impeachment and conviction? Or do you think at this point, if there is no more provocation from Trump that is specifically undermining his constitutional office, um, that there will not be enough good-hearted momentum and um, to, to, to restore uh, decency and honor um, and, and, you know, by virtue of, of, uh, of his impeachment conviction um, or removal of office through the 25th. I mean, does something more than what transpired at the, at the Capitol have to happen in order for him to um, involuntarily be removed, do you think? No, I think we've seen enough. I think this is someone who is dangerous, uh, who continues to behave in a very reckless manner. Uh, this is also someone who has, who still has the largest platform in the room, right? And he is inciting violence uh, in social media. He incited violence yesterday during his comments in the rally. And so did those that were enabling him, his biggest supporters like Giuliani with their rhetoric and what they were saying. So I think that, I think the vice president should actually convene the cabinet as soon as possible and invoke the 25th amendment, because I don't know what Donald Trump will do next. And I'm not convinced that a man who is angry and unhinged and uncontrollable 
won't uh, do something egregious tomorrow. Let me refocus the question. Do you think that there will be enough pressure from fellow Republicans and ultimately Congress as an institution or alternatively the cabinet as an institution? Do you think it will happen? We both think it should happen, but do you think it will happen? I I hope it will. I think that it's incumbent on sitting Republican officials to come forward and to also put pressure on the vice president uh, to to start to take this action. And and we don't have a lot of time. That action should be taken immediately as soon as possible. And I think you're seeing Congress. I know that I saw Nancy Pelosi uh, put out a statement on it. And I think Congress is standing by and trying to say enough. Uh, and so I, I am hopeful. I saw, you know, a statement by Larry Hogan who said the president should resign, um, you know, who is a prominent uh, Republican governor. Um, but, you know, again, uh, what I'm seeing though are the few and far between Republicans who have been willing to take a stand to the president previously, right? Larry Hogan, uh, I personally witnessed, uh, stand strong and at times uh, take on the president when it came to the pandemic on behalf of other states and governors. And today we saw Representative Kissinger come out and write and Kissinger and say, um, saying enough. I mean, he was one of the first Republicans to come forward and say, this is something we have to do. Olivia, the tendency in this administration and among the the sycophants of, of Trump's so-called conservative policies, um, even as his conduct was antithetical to conservatism, um, they will, we know from the beginning of this administration and throughout the Trump campaigns, they will do everything to whitewash and gaslight. And I'm just afraid that there will be further attempts to whitewash and gaslight and within the next 24 or 72 hours, we will be relitigating their revisionist history of what transpired at the Capitol. We've already heard them falsely blame non-Trump supporters. Trump supporters were the ones waving the Trump 2020 flags and the Confederate flags in those chambers. So I, Given the fact that now 24 hours will turn into 48 hours and nothing has happened to that effect, I I just, I myself think he'll have to continue to provoke and get even more certifiable, if that's possible, and I think it is, for action to, to, to happen, you know? Well, I mean, I just, I don't know what else, what else, what else do people need for the president to convince these, them that this man is a danger to our democracy and our country. I mean, he has exhibited this behavior at extreme moments by undermining our, you know, safe and secure elections repeatedly in the past couple months. But this Donald Trump has been Donald Trump from the beginning, right? This is the man who downplayed the pandemic, which is raging still today. And yet here we are, we're focused on, you know, stopping the steal of the election from the White House, right? It's their rhetoric about this, instead of actually caring about the fact that thousands of Americans are suffering every day with this virus. And so what's it going to take? And, and I look, I understand your concerns. I agree with them. I, you know, I was 
<laughs> horrified, but not necessarily surprised when I woke up this morning and I saw Republican members of Congress pushing conspiracies once again and calling it Antifa. Let's just stop calling it Antifa. Let's be honest. And look, I was in the White House. I remember the narratives that the White House was pushing last summer. And I remember the analysts working at law enforcement and intelligence agencies who were very clearly stating uh, there, you know, what we're seeing is extremist groups exploiting situations. And they have said this is, you know, uh, we're seeing a far right movement. We're seeing white supremacy. We're seeing domestic terrorism. And that was not the narrative uh, that this White House wanted to support because it didn't support their voting base. That is what we're dealing with here. So what more? You make a persuasive argument. I, I think what more would have been in the speeches certifying the election and in the immediate aftermath of that election, responding accordingly to what you've just described, which is Senator Sass, Senator Graham, when you say enough is enough, you have to act right. accordingly. And so, you know, I know you dealt with that firsthand in the unwillingness of this administration to respond to the pandemic um, with, you know, sufficient uh, seriousness. Um, what is your hope for the courageous Senator Romney and the one or two other Senate figures who, you know, have had a track record of uh, calling out the president um, some some of them are no longer in the chamber, most notably the late Mc, Senator McCain and Senator Flake. But you have you have Romney and you have Sass and McConnell was strong on the question of certifying the election, even though he didn't acknowledge President-elect Biden as such and, until a month after the election. Um, but when you contemplate in, in conservative circles that realize the Republican party is an authoritarian and not a conservative party. Do you expect in the weeks and months ahead that there to be a formal chasm breaking off from the Trump wing and that um, American politics will yet again see uh, after many decades of a two party system, a, a third party with the likes of uh, perhaps Senator Romney becoming an independent like you said, how bad would it have to get for party affiliations to change if it hasn't gotten, seemingly it's gotten worse by the day? Right. And I think, um, I think that uh, the Republicans who, quite frankly, I think no longer fit in to what has become to the, of the Republican Party, right? This is, uh, right now, it is Trumpism. And right now it is these are Trump Republicans. And I think that I, I, I think I do think that people who have uh, held their ground and stuck to their convictions and have not allowed this president to bully them repeatedly, like he has bullied many, like Mitt Romney and Romney and others. I, I think that it's time for them to take a stance. And I think, you know, I don't see the Republican party changing anytime soon. I, you know, there is people like Ted Cruz, Holly, Jim Jordan, who I personally think is a terrible human being and DeSantis 
who, you know, people like DeSantis who are running states where the pandemic is raging and they are so focused on pleasing the president that they don't care about their own residents of their states. So the question is when Donald Trump no longer has power, what are these people going to do? And I don't believe that the stronghold of Trumpism that has taken happened just overnight. It was enabled by all of these people. And so I think that, you know, if you are a person of integrity and moral courage and you've exhibited that, then I think it's time maybe for you to uh, make a decision. And unless, you know, there's going to be a complete shift in the number of people who get elected that are more like Mitt Romney and people like that. But I don't see that happening anytime soon. Based on being one of these people yourself who was self-identified as conservative Republican of the uh, Reagan, H.W. Bush, Romney form, right? Um, What is your instinct in terms of if and when someone like Romney would decide to caucus with a fellow moderate Angus King. I mean, he caucuses with the Democrats and, and, you know, he, I'm sure is more liberal than Romney on some issues, but uh, the Mainers know him as uh, independent minded uh, representative. So I I just wonder what you think would have to happen for someone like Romney to no longer caucus with the Republicans. I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe there needs to be uh... I, you know, I don't know. There's the Evan McMullins of the world who exist, uh, who, you know, he ran as an independent and he has been very vocal and has taken a stand for defending our democracy. So I think it's time to really think about whether they become independents um, or leave the Republican Party. Uh, I don't see them joining the Democratic Party, to be honest. I just. Uh, that is that is absolutely fair. What is not fair intellectually uh, is to live in a universe in which the Republican Party is not the authoritarian party under Trump's spell. And, and there may be some further metamorphosis. And I, and I suppose you believe that some Republicans like Romney and Sass have held out on the idea that, that Trump was an aberration in the sense of his maniacal, diabolical, autocratic impulse, uh, and that conservatism will be rescued by people who might be socially conservative and ought to be socially conservative, um, but who, uh, you know, consider conservatism to be respectful and empathetic and dignified. Right. And that is the thing about Trumpism and this movement. I don't think that, uh, you know, those supporters that were out storming the Capitol yesterday didn't get there on their own. They were inspired by the leaders that they look up to in this arm of the party that have been telling them lies, that have been telling them the election was stolen from them that have been inciting these kind of conspiracies. And, uh, and that's where I think, uh, I don't know that there's going to be a future for anyone who is more moderate and is willing to work uh, across the aisle. Like 
I just don't see it. I see, I see the Republican Party that was uh, the John McCain's of the party. Um, to me right now, that party is dead. Unless uh, you see a movement where people out there in the U.S. start to vote these people out. So you could see that momentum build perhaps in the wake of responding to this invasion on the Capitol, the fact that preceding that event was the election of two Democrats in Georgia. And just mathematically, Olivia, some folks who voted for Purdue and Leffler and Trump uh, or some of the other Republican runoff candidates uh, had to vote for Warnock and Ossoff and did so perhaps witnessing the degradation of our democracy in the weeks after the election. Do you believe there are such voters who would have probably like the secretary of state and his election manager in Georgia who would have voted for Donald Trump, maybe to reelect Donald Trump, maybe for Purdue and Loeffler in, in the original election, and then decide they couldn't take it anymore. I mean, I, I do think that those voters existed probably in Georgia. Otherwise, Ossoff and Warnock would not have been elected. Yes, I think that's absolutely the case. I mean, I think, you know, I am a big, you know, I've subscribed to the movement of country over party, and that is why I became very outspoken and uh, supported Joe Biden and supported efforts uh, to get President Trump out of office. And I think that there is certainly a whole population of there are Republicans who don't subscribe to these kinds of things and who are more moderate and who also do not want to be associated with what's happened here. And I think that they are, you know, they, they're going to vote for along with their, you know, their viewpoints and their integrity, and they're going to vote for the best candidate. But, you know, it's a hard struggle because I have to say that I was, I found it, I was disappointed to see Gabriel Sterling tweet out encouraging people to vote in Georgia. And uh, I appreciated that. And I, you know, because voting is such a fundamental freedom and right that we have in this country and that should, should be exercised. And we see what happens on how, you know, when bad people get into office. But I was surprised when I saw a tweet from him encouraging people to vote and adding in that they hope that he hoped that they would vote for Loeffler and Purdue. That sort of element of, forgive me for applying this in the political context, schizophrenia. Uh, you saw it in speeches by Sass and Graham and other enough is enough uh, coming to Jesus um, because domestic terrorists looted in an insurrection, your holy chamber. I mean, enough is enough of your amoral sanctimony uh, and, and just, you know, we know rank hypocrisy over a long period. I would say that prior to the attack on the Capitol, Tom Cotton surprised some in his statement that he would not object to certification and, and the fact that there were ultimately only six Republicans who voted to object to certification. And if you watch the speeches following 
the attack on the Capitol, you would believe in the earnestness that these Republicans can become the HW, the, the, the HW Bush party, if you will, or even the W Bush party can, can still win out on um, and, and overcome this aberration. You're pessimistic about the probability of that happening. Um, you're basically saying that they have to act that way. And if they don't act that way and just speak those, you know, those, those truths superficially, then nothing is going to change and Trumpism will win. Yeah, absolutely. Because what I saw as well was a bunch of evangelical proclaiming Christians who were behaving anything but evangelical and Christian under this administration. Right. So I, I take great offense to that. (laughs) I, and I think that, um, I think that, yeah, I think it will remain a struggle. It's one thing to take a stand in the moments right after the U.S. Capitol is burning, but what are you going to do to change it every second, every hour, and every day going forward to make sure that that never happens again? Olivia Troy, thank you for your courage and for your insight today. Thank you. I appreciate that.